Alrighty, we are back. It's your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 545, and we are recording live on December the 1st. Yes, it is now December. NORAD has started their Santa tracker uh, today um, for all the kids and, well, parents too, I guess. Um, And uh, yeah, so, um, you know, winter is upon us almost. So how are you, Brianna? I'm good. It's crazy how fast this year has flown by um, in some ways, right? Uh, but yes, it is. We had some flurries yesterday here in New York. My kids were very excited to see that, you know, being from Atlanta, they wanted to like go out and play. I'm like, there's nothing to play in. It's not sticking. <laughs> it's um, but I'm good. We had a good Thanksgiving and, you know, the holiday season is here. I wish I could say the shopping was done, but, you know, still just getting started a bit um but yeah things are good and uh like a lot of people here already it's what day four I think of Hanukkah today for them so you know it's just a busy busy time for for everybody and work but um you know hanging in there and and happy to be here talking to you yeah no and it's same here it's like it's kind of up and down right now like it's you know one day it's it's quite warm and mild and the next day it's kind of you know just drops to that zero freezing level and you get like a little bit of flurries like we had um on the weekend we had you know a centimeter or two of snow and but it's all gone it's all green again right now so yeah it'll be like that for a while i'm sure but uh anyhow well come (laughs) yeah it'll come it'll come um all right well we have a good show for you four stories as usual that we want to cover some acquisitions some interesting campaigns some maybe not so interesting uh technology we'll see uh but i'll let abriana kick us off all right so this is uh an acquisition announcement but life 360 i know we've probably talked about them on the show before really you know location-based tracking safety platform they are acquiring Tile, and I, I know Tile well because I feel like I need Tile for everything that I do in my life, um, you know, on my husband's wallet and our keys and, you know, my phone, like everything, um, except you need your phone to use the Tile and find it. So it's that little, you know, Tile that you can attach to everything and, and find it. So they're acquiring them, obviously, very synonymous and, and kind of what their um, positioning is in the market and what they're going after. And so they are going to just kind of merge all of this to be this leading location solutions, um, you know, helping people find people, pets, things, all of those those um, items that we value. So they are valued currently at two of 205 million um, and they're expected to close in Q1 of next year. Um, so, you know, they're saying that they are, are thinking as of now that the CEO will remain on board and their team will stay intact from Tile. Um, but, you know, this is this is what they're saying is that this is going to really create the only vertically positioned um, and integrated cross-platform solution of scale that can enable families to do all of these different things. Um, so bringing together like the software, the finding capabilities and one unified platform. So. Um, definitely makes a lot of sense here and having some global expansion as well is a, is a big plus. So, um, you know, tiles made their way into over about 27,000 brick and mortar locations and now Life360 will be able to expand that. Um, they both have very significant uh, user bases, right? So they have paid subscriptions that, that are happening all the time. 
Um, and this, this acquisition is expected to increase that by, they're saying 45%, so to around 1.6 million people. I'm surprised it's that small, um, but I do expect that it would grow significantly. I think, you know, we always have a need for this and we've, we have seen other um, non like location focused, uh, you know, companies get into this. I know Samsung has, has a tile actually just bought for my kids so I could put it on their backpacks, right? Um, and then Apple came out with their kind of a coin type of a tile as well. So this isn't going anywhere. There's the need to track things, um, you know, all the time. And, and so this acquisition makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, expecting bigger things to come from those two merging in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is a good move from a, an ecosystem play, um, you know, for life 360. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, a company like them that has been around for a while, you know, early days of the LVMA when we started, you know, 10, 11 years ago now, um, you know, they were already at it. They were more sort of in the cellular based um, kind of services of tracking, you know, find my friends, that type of find my family member, um, share your location type of stuff. Um, and working with a lot of the, the mobile operators to do that. And, you know, still, um, you know, like that's still a relevant service to this day, right? In terms of knowing where your family members are and things like that. But I think, uh, you know, moving more into the, the hardware-based uh, tracking um, of, of devices or items or backpacks or whatever it is, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think the, the one thing that was kind of surprising to me is, you know, Tile is like one of those, you know, probably from a brand recognition perspective, the, the most sort of recognized one, right, um, out there. And I was a bit surprised when I was kind of, you know, reading the story to see that they were only valued at 205 million or whatever. I, I was sort of like expecting it to be more than that. But, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting uh, nonetheless, and I think it, it adds a lot to that ecosystem play. And, you know, Life360 previously, I guess, earlier in the year or late last year, I don't remember it now, also acquired uh, Jiobit, which was a, a similar type of tracking uh, device, more focused on pets. Um, so, you know, your dog or cat's collars and those kinds of things. So they're, they're, they're really kind of, if you think about it as a portfolio play now, uh, you know, really sort of expanding that from, you know, your friends and family to, you know, your items um, that you carry around with you that you need to keep track of, whether that's your keys or your backpacks or whatever, um, and, you know, your pets. Um, so it's like, it's a full-on family, um, you know, safety experience, and, and I really like where they're going with the with the portfolio play. So, makes sense. Sure. All right, on to our second story now. So we're going to jump across the, uh, the ocean here to the Netherlands. Well, we're uh, Albert Heijn, which is the uh, the largest grocery chain over there, about a thousand plus stores, um, is doing some interesting things using location data. So uh, they've been teaming up with uh, JC Deco um, on Digital Out of Home uh, in the Netherlands and doing some programmatic uh, ad targeting. But uh, the way that they're doing this and the data that's informing this, I think, is what's interesting. So, you know, they've got a like many groceries uh, stores that we talk about on this show, whether it's Kroger or others here in North America, um, you know, they do a good job of sort of understanding their customers and their shopping habits and looking at the purchase data and things like that. And they kind of break their 
their customer base down into sort of three groups, sort of the, like their top tier customers and then sort of a secondary and tertiary, um, you know, group of customers. And what they've uh, found over the years is that in the, in the summer months, a lot of their uh, sort of top tier customers are, you know, take extended holidays abroad, they're not around. So, you know, they wanted to find a way to sort of target those secondary and tertiary um, customer bases of theirs, um, you know, sort of make up for that, that loss during that time period. Um, and so, you know, they able to analyze that, they're able to kind of use mobile location data to figure out where, the, where these cohorts you know, we're hanging out or, you know, we're, you know, what neighborhoods they were in and, you know, uh, what digital signage uh, screens that they were coming in, in contact with and then be able to deliver ads, you know, on those screens that were relevant, showing information about, you know, the local offers and, and the local store and things like that. Um, and then also sort of playing off of, you know, you see it on the on the big screen and then, you know, sort of tying in a mobile location based ad. Um, you know, that's proximity based at the same time. Um, so you sort of get that double, uh, that double impact. Um, and, and it worked. Um, so, you know, just to pull out some numbers, they saw that well, two things. First is, uh, from a research perspective, uh, they uh, drew on a study from a company called Outsmart that said that uh, audiences are 17% more likely to take actions from an online ad if they've already seen an out-of-home placement about it. So I think that's an interesting and telling stat right there um, that, you know, uh, you get an ad on your phone. Yes, it's interesting. Maybe you click on it, but if you've already sort of, that, that's already in your mind because you walk by a digital screen or a billboard um, that was talking about the same thing, then, uh, you know, the impact is, is going to be so much greater. Um, in terms of numbers, though, uh, it, the campaign worked. So what they found is, is that they saw a 26% uh, uh, footfall uplift in activating those secondary and tertiary customers uh, to visit um, Albert Hein uh, stores compared to whatever control group that they had. Uh, and they found that there was a 30% uplift of new customers uh, from the target group as well. So I think you know, like those are, those are big numbers, right? And, um, you know, just, you know, I, I think for, first of all, just attracting a whole new customer base for any retailer or any, any brand is, is a tough thing to do. So seeing that they were able to do that and then at the same time tap into the, sort of those occasional or secondary tertiary shoppers that they already had and kind of bring them back in based on those offers in this time period when, you know, their top customers, you know, were traveling or not there, I think is, uh, is really good. So, you know, I, I think it speaks to that idea of just blended media campaigns and using location data to measure them and the effectiveness it can have. Any thoughts from you? Yeah, I think this is like, this is the way that you, you effectively do digital out of home or cross device campaigns, right? I love the data that's backing this up. You know that I'm kind of a geek about that and making sure that everything is, is truly measurable and um, there is attribution that can be tracked. And I love that they came out with those KPIs that you mentioned, right? That they said, these are the three main goals and these are the three different kind of segments that we're trying to reach. Um, and then that they, they were able to actually do that. It it's wonderful whenever you see all those pieces come together. Um, and I think it also speaks to the power of um, frequency, right? How many times you are exposed to certain advertising in through different mediums the efficacy that it can have. So not just digital out of home on its own, but looking at it as part of, a, of an overarching campaign strategy. So how do you blend that with your, you know, 
TV, CTV placements, as well as just, you know, digital and online video and mobile. So I think that this is like a really great, um, you know, this is kind of the ideal use case here. And, and I like those numbers that they're seeing as well too, right? Those are some, some high impact. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go over to Vietnam and look at a campaign that Mondelez did recently. So they are, are working with AI, uh, partnering with a couple of different companies, um, including, um, you know, from the computer side of things like computer vision startup, there's a company called DID that did more of the AI and machine learning efforts here. Um, and then Publicis and Digitas uh, Vietnam agencies were, were doing this. So this was on behalf of their Kindu Mooncake brand. Um, obviously, there are different festivals that you know are happening right now um, in that part of the world. It's currently the Mid-Autumn Moon Festival or just past. And um, you know they developed this website where consumers could bring to life previous festivals um, through photography. So they could take a personalized um, you know, greeting, upload a photo, and then have like this live portrait sort of thing where it looked like, um, it looked like, you know, somebody was smiling or just kind of brought older pictures from the moon, you know, the moon festival to life. Um, and then you could be, you could, you have the capability of sharing that image uh, on social media. So I saw one of, of the examples that they gave, you could kind of stitch things together, like moving faces and, and all of that. So, you know, it's, what I liked about the campaign is that they were trying to be creative and do something uh, where you recognize the past and bring it into the future. And I think that the ability to obviously share that organically um, on social media is a powerful thing. What I didn't see though, was anything related to the actual can do mooncake. So <laughs> I don't know where that piece was, but you know, that was my question is like, well, I, I think that all of the, um, you know, interesting pieces of, of a fun campaign like this with this type of technology were there apart from the fact that like the brand needs to be um, front and center in some way shape or form so you know interesting again how does it actually you know lead to revenue dollars maybe this is more of a brand recognition type of a play I think but um, yeah I mean nothing groundbreaking in my opinion but it's okay what do you think <laughs> Yeah, I'm not super excited about this campaign. Um, you know, I think the one thing I one thing I like about it is, you know, they tried to sort of tap into the pandemic and family and uh, the past, and you know, it, it, it's difficult to get together. You know, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of challenges, um, you know, that are keeping people apart, and so I think the sort of notion of trying to tap into past festivals and celebrations and, you know, those kinds of things, um, you know, maybe when you can't gather, you know, for real right now um, and kind of creating those moments or stitching those together digitally. I like the notion of that. Um, but I, I think, you know, to me, it, it's, you know, there's more that can be done here. Like, you know, like, um, you know, I almost I, like, it seems like a lot of effort to me to do something where, you know, there's, I can't even think of the name of the platform. Like there's this platform that uh, it's got like little dancing people and then you can put, you know, heads of your, you know, photos of whatever on it. And then they do a little video of it. I, I forgot what it's called now, but it, it's kind of like, that's what it reminds me of, right? Like there's this service you can go to and basically just swap in the uh, the heads on these little dancing people and jab 
Well, jib jab. That's it. Jib jab. Yeah. So you know, like I, I think. I don't know. Like I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think like the you know where is the push for the product um, that they're trying to to market here, and maybe it's not about that. Maybe it is just truly about you know trying to create those connections and the brands in the background. And if that's the case, then good job. Um, but I, uh, you know, I would like to have seen some sort of activation, you know, around this where it could drive some purchase or traffic to store or uh, something more uh, beyond, you know, that sort of one piece there. So I like that they're experimenting. I like that they're trying new tech, but uh, mm, yeah. I'm kind of where I'm at on that one. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Last story, um, uh, we're going to talk about a company called Wait Time. We've talked about these guys before. They're out of Detroit. Um, you know, they kind of cut their teeth and built their their business on on the sports industry, uh, where they're able to kind of use um, computer vision technology and AI to understand traffic flow patterns in a building. Um, and so what they're doing is, is they're using the computer visions to calculate, okay, you know, what is the wait time as their name implies, you know, for, you know, the bathroom at gate 32, um, you know, how long would I have to wait if I get left my seat right now, um, get up from the, uh, you know, the seventh inning here to go, um, you know, and, and if it's, you know, going to be 20 minutes, do I want to actually get up right then? you know, uh, and miss whatever is happening, those kinds of things. So that's kind of the use case of, of what wait time, you know, uh, was designed for and has succeeded in, in delivering solutions around that. And, you know, that information, you know, being relayed um, to the big digital uh, screens, you know, within the venues and things like that. Um, they've announced a new partnership. Um, so they're, they've teamed up with Cisco and Intel uh, and are going after shopping malls now. Uh, and they've got a, uh, a, a pilot, a, a project going on with uh, Mall of America um, and American Dream. And they're, um, you know, sort of trying to bring this technology uh, in, into the shopping mall environment. And, you know, I, I thought about this and, and, you know, obviously, you know, Mall of America is, is a member of the LBMA and we've done, you know, a lot of, we've had them speak at our conferences and, you know, they're, they're always very, uh, progressive and, and forward-thinking and trying and, and piloting new technologies. So I see this as very much the same thing. I think for me the challenge I have with with this particular one is that um, you know there are a lot of tech, different technologies and different approaches out there to understand traffic flow patterns and density within a shopping mall environment. You know obviously Wi-Fi technologies, Bluetooth technologies, you know, uh, camera uh, analytics, you know, on and on and on, right? And and I think not just Mall of America, but, you know, many big retailers, many uh, other shopping malls around the world have been playing around with these technologies for, you know, a decade. So, you know, what, what I struggle with here is what sort of new values does, does this bring to a shopping mall? And to me as a, as a patron, uh, visiting the mall or to a tenant that might be operating in the mall because, you know, wait times, um, you know, in a shopping mall environment make less sense to me than they do in a, in a stadium where, you know, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm going to miss something. Right. Um, you know, I could see this in an airport, for example, where you want to know, you know, which security gate has the longest lines or things like that. That makes sense to me. 
but you know applying this to you know there's three checkouts um you know at the gap store and which one is like no like that's not like I, like to me i can just walk in and see right like it's not it's not something that's so um necessary so i struggle with this one as a use case um and you know i, I think the only sort of value i can ascribe to it at this point is um you know if there's you know COVID ramps up again and we we end up with you know capacity restrictions and things like that then potentially there's a use case here in terms of communicating that out externally um you know on digital signage outside of the mall or in the buildings or things like that um you know or parking lots or those types of things but uh within um i'm not i'm not so sure what are your thoughts no, I agree. I think you like hit the nail on the head when you said I could see this for TSA wait times like that to me is exactly what I want to see is I want to know before I leave my house, like how soon do I need to get there? You know, is it going to be a breeze or do I need to get there two hours early? Because in Atlanta, you just don't, you know, you just didn't know here. I've had pretty good luck so far. Uh, the few times I've flown um, in and out of LaGuardia, but yeah, that's what you really want to know is like, how long is it going to take me to to kind of do this again? the shopping mall i mean i can see understanding like wait times perhaps in terms of holiday shopping or you know what's the best times to go based on like aggregated data throughout the day or or just doing it you know hour by hour um like when do these stores tend to have the highest wait times that could be potentially beneficial and i could plan my trip around that but let's be realistic and and how many people are taking the time to do all that planning prior to going to the mall, they're really just writing down their list and understanding like who they have to get things for. So um, again, yes, I agree with you. I think this one kind of falls a little bit flat. I'm not sure how much uh, value this provides to the shoppers or the stores. Yeah, it, it also seems counterproductive to me because if I'm, I, and this is just me, I, I, you know, I've never, I've never been a mall operator or, or been in the operation side of, of running a shopping mall, but you know, I would I would speculate to say that you know one of their prime objectives would be to attract people to the mall and keep them there as long as possible like you know creating experiences to make it an enjoyable time right not you know uh, get you in and out as fast as possible right I, so I mean you know, that's just what I'm thinking but maybe I'm wrong no completely right. <laughs> so um anyhow so that's our show for this week four stories you know some good some maybe not so good uh in there this week uh but we uh we thank you for listening and watching uh this has been episode number 545 of location weekly and uh please reach out if you have story ideas or uh, thoughts or feedback uh we love to hear those things and we'll see you next week uh, have a great week everybody bye bye